My name is Alex DeRosa, and I'm one of our pastors here at New Life. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much for deciding to invest some of your morning with us. I know this is a holiday weekend, so thank you so much for being here. If this is your first time here, we want you to know that we've been praying and planning for your arrival today. Normally here on weekends, we go through different message series. We do that on purpose because we want to we build upon the past message and do the best job we can to effectively teach the Word of God so that it can lead to transformation in our lives. And so we just ended a long series and we're going to start a new series next week. But today we're taking a little break from that to speak on the topic of rest. This Labor Day weekend, we're talking about rest, which is something that has been on my mind a lot lately. A few months ago, I was gifted with the ability to go on a sabbatical, four-week sabbatical. Pastor Chris, our lead pastor, and Pastor Barry, our executive pastor, encouraged me to go away with the purpose of resting in God, to reflect, to have some time to be filled up by God, so as to prepare me for being the lead pastor next year. And I'll tell you, as I started these four weeks, I struggled the first couple days. The first couple days where my calendar was completely wiped clean with things to do, and I just was walking with God, speaking with God, listening to God, I fought this urge, this guilt, that I wasn't doing enough. That shouldn't I be doing more work right now? I know I was told to rest, but there is something in me that just fights against that. And I realized almost right away that I'm just not good at rest. I'm just not good at turning everything off and just being with God. By the end of the four weeks, I really gained an understanding of how valuable it is to rest, and I got a little better. But I want to tell you that over these last couple of months, I've been learning more and more because I want to excel at rest. I'm not great at it still, but I know the value is there. And as a society, as I look around, I realize that in general, this might not be you, but in general, most of us just don't do a great job of resting. There's always another opportunity. There's always something that we can fill our plates with. And in fact, we live in a society that celebrates constant movement, that celebrates going and doing more than we have to in such a way that when people burn the candle at both ends and they, they nonstop work to get ahead, we celebrate that. We also live in a society that is so advanced technologically that we always can have some sort of entertainment at our fingertips at all times. So we could be waiting in line at the store, or we could be sitting in bed where we maybe should go to sleep already, or maybe we are driving in the car, or we're at home. We could always be listening to a podcast or a book, or we could be reading something. There's never a time where our minds really need to rest. But our minds do desire rest. I've also been thinking of rest a lot lately because we have three little ones at home and it just feels like rest is this elusive thing that I want, but I just can't quite get right now. And I can say like right now, it's the busiest my life has ever been. But I look back at the last couple of stages of my life and I felt really similar. When I was in high school, I didn't know any better and I thought this is the busiest I've ever been. And it was true. Got to college, felt the same way. Got my first job, same thing. Got married, had kids, the same thing over and over. This is the busiest I've ever been. I've never had more on my plate. And it's true because we continue as people just to add things. Not very often do we just take things off our plates. We just add more. And here's the, the joke of it. We never get more hours. We never get more hours to do things, but we are constantly filling our schedule 
Even Pastor Chris shared with me lately that he's been meeting with these mentors and talking to them about retirement and what is next for him. And as he speaks with them, one of them encouraged him lately, like, you're going to be busy. He's like, whenever you retire, it's not that you're just going to sit around and go, I have nothing to do. He said, your days will be full with something, but will they be full with something that matters? Why? Because there's always something for us to do. And if we're not good at rest, what's going to happen is we are going to burn out and be no use to anyone. We're going to be so burdened by the obligations of life, by stacking on more and more, that we're not going to be used to anyone Makes me think of the quote from Lord of the Rings, Bilbo Baggins said at one point he feels thin, like butter scraped across too much bread. And I've thought of that quote sometimes when I just feel overwhelmed. So if we don't want to feel that way, whether we're feeling that today, maybe you're feeling that. Maybe as we're talking right now, you're saying, yeah, I feel overburdened. Or maybe that's something that we should just remember for the future when we feel that way. We must get better at rest. And thankfully, God has given us some wisdom and his word about rest and how we can achieve it in his name and how he has offered it to us freely. But before we dive into God's word to see what he has to say, and that's simply what we're doing today. We're going to look at it, see what it has to say, and then work on applying it to our lives as we live the life ahead. Before we do that, let us pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for this moment right now where we just get to be with you. I pray that as we speak that the burdens of our week, of our day, of our jobs, of our families, that they would just be set aside so that we can invest some time hearing from you. And I pray that it really is you. Get me out of the way so it can be your words, Holy Spirit. I pray that you will speak clearly through your word into our hearts so that we leave here changed, more like you and more at rest in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So King David, King David was a king of the Jewish nation of Israel. God chose him to lead the people. He wrote this book called Psalms, and well, most of them are written by him. And in this book, there's a lot of songs that that he has written that the people would sing out. And in Psalm 62, he talked about rest. Now, before we get into it, I just want to say that when we're talking about rest today, we're not just talking about taking a good nap. Well, that's good, and that's good, and sometimes we need physical rest. We're talking about our souls needing rest, and that's what God's Word has to say that we're reading today. So Psalm 62, we're going to just read the first eight verses. It says this, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. How long will you threaten a man Will all of you attack as if you were a leaning wall or a tottering fence? They only plan to bring him down from his high position. They take pleasure in lying. They bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. Selah. Now, Selah is simply a Hebrew word that no one really understands what the meaning is. Uh, Generally, they, they believe that it means something regarding music, like a pause in a song, which makes sense in this situation, a pause or a rest before the song continues. So Selah. Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. Selah. 
David, what is he sharing with us? That our souls only find rest in God. We can search in a lot of different areas, but our souls really only find the rest that they crave from God. And this is our take-home point. It's the one point that this message is moving towards. It's a point that I pray that we don't just hear today, but we live out in the life ahead. And it's this, true rest comes from God alone. True rest comes from God alone. And again, we're talking about rest for our souls. And what is our souls? Our souls are our mind, emotion, and will. And here's the truth. When my physical body is burnout, when I'm very tired physically, it's, it's not great. But when my soul, mind, emotion, and will are depleted, that's when I'm at my worst. That's when I let the storms of life knock me over more easily. That's when I make my worst decisions. And that's where, when we're not careful, we start to drift from God when our souls are needing to be refreshed. So what do we do? Well, it says right here, we go to God. And although that's true, a lot of times, what do we do? We actually look for other things first. We want to get rest from things that maybe are a little easier. So for me, what does that look like? I go and watch more TV or I eat more snacks, or I go and buy more things online, just getting little drops of dopamine in my brain that make me feel like things are all right. There's nothing like clicking that button on Amazon, knowing that you're getting something new, and then when it comes that day, you can get another drop of dopamine as you open it up. But listen, the truth is, all those, those things aren't inherently evil. They don't bring the rest that we need. They simply just distract us. And distraction isn't always bad. Sometimes maybe you're overthinking a problem, and it's nice to get a little distraction, but they don't actually provide rest. There's not enough snacks in your house. We don't have enough good TV out there. There's not enough money in our bank accounts to buy everything that will constantly be distracted for the rest of our lives. There's going to be a point where we step out of that distraction and we go, oh, my soul still needs refreshed. My mind and emotions and will are still depleted and I need something more. And that's what God offers to us. That's what King David was talking about. We got to stop, be distracted, and go into the blessing that God has for us in his rest. And thankfully, this isn't just an us issue. Sure, there's a lot of distractions we have today, but people throughout history were still distracted from God and his purpose. Even God's Jewish nation of Israel got distracted, and not, again, by Amazon Prime Day sales or by TV shows, but they were distracted by making false gods. They would build these statues, and they would bow down to these statues, and they would worship them. And as they would worship these statues, they would stop thinking about God. And it makes you kind of feel crazy. Like, why would they build a statue and worship to it? Then you think, well, because there's no obligation there. It's easy. You might feel good about it. All right, yeah, I did my due diligence. I prayed or whatever to that statue. It didn't ask me to do anything. And I can go about my business. They were being distracted from what God had to offer. And a fresher to God. Because one, God wants to be worshiped alone. And two, because it wasn't going to satisfy his people they weren't going to live into the plan that he has for them. And the same message is for us. So God spoke through his prophet Jeremiah to the people, telling them how to find this rest. And we find it in Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 16 through 17. This is what the Lord says. Again, this is Jeremiah speaking to the people. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly ways and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. I posted watchmen over you who said, listen for the sound of the alarm. But you replied, no, we won't pay attention. God gave clear instructions when you're at that crossroads. 
And you have that decision to make. Do I follow God or do I do my own thing? God said, follow my ways, follow my godly ways, the old godly ways, and you'll get to live into who you were created to be. And when you do that, you find rest. The same thing is true for us. We have a decision. We either get to live into the purpose that God has created us to live in, which brings us rest because we're operating as we were designed to operate, or we fight against that and we push against it and go away from him, and it just depletes us more and more. And God said, it's, it's again, not easy, but it's simple. You just follow my ways. He also said, I gave you a watchman. I gave you someone to sound the alarm. When you started to go astray, I told you, hey, you're going astray. Come back to God. Which begs the question, do we have watchmen in our lives? Do we have people that we trust that are godly people, maybe our godly parents or an accountability partner or a small group leader or friends of ours that are walking with the Lord that we give permission to call us out when we're at that crossroads and we go the wrong way? Because at times we will go the wrong way. Do we have people that are watchmen in our lives to to let us know, hey, come back to the old godly ways. You're just doing things that drain you and are not filling yourself up with God as he commands us to. For me, that's my accountability partner. I'll tell you this, there has been nothing short of Jesus that has changed my life more in the last year and a half than having someone that is able, that I've given permission to, to call me out when I'm doing things that aren't following God. It's helped me to continue to seek God in the appropriate ways whenever I get so mixed up and I start to rely on things of this world instead of God. So let's get those watchmen in our lives. And thankfully, God has given us Jesus as a watchman as well, who came into this earth to let us know how to follow God's ways. And not only how to, but with him, once we trust in him as Lord and Savior, he guides us and directs us and gives us the power to follow him as well. He came as a watchman to help us, guide us into salvation, and to help us understand how to get rest. While he was on this earth, he gave us a very clear instruction. And as we read it, it might sound similar to what Jeremiah said. And why does it sound similar? Because Jesus is God. And so the words from God that Jeremiah spoke and Jesus sound very similar. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, this records what Jesus said. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The word in Greek there for rest could be translated to mean rest, also refreshment, or ease. And what a wonderful idea it is, a thought to be refreshed by God. There's been times in my life where I'm just overburdened with anxiety and stress and worry or obligation that I just want to be refreshed. I want to be put at ease. And this is what Jesus said is available to us through him, that true rest comes from him alone. One of the coolest things about Jesus while he was on this earth, he taught in such a way that the first century Jews were understanding God's will more clearly because Jesus often dipped into the Jewish traditions and the rabbinic teachings of that day. Now, some of that can be lost to history because we are not first century Jews, unless I'm mistaken, and you got here somehow, you're first century Jew, please talk to me. I don't know how you time traveled to right now, but most of us have no idea. Thankfully, there's been historians over the last thousands of years who have recorded this stuff and passed it on. 
Even today, uh, Jewish rabbis still have books and books of Jewish teachings from thousands of years ago. And so we're able to look and see what the Jewish people at the time would have known and how Jesus used that to describe to them who God really is. And one of the things that Jesus used was a teaching by a guy named Rabbi Jesus Ben Surah. He walked the earth 200 years before Jesus came to this earth. And Ben Surah, this rabbi, talked about rest in a very similar way. In his writings, which he had this wisdom literature that people really held in high esteem, uh, he was very popular at the time, it said, if you are weary, if you are tired, come to me and learn my teachings and then go to wisdom, put on wisdom's yoke and you will find rest. Sounds very similar to what Jesus said, but Jesus clarified where that rest really comes from, not our labors, but from our God. The biblical scholar R.T. France helps us understand the significance of what Jesus was saying. He said this, no doubt Jesus and his hearers knew and valued this book, that wisdom book by Ben Sira. But Jesus' invitation reveals a higher authority. It is his own yoke that he offers, and he himself gives the rest which Ben Sira had to win by his little labors. We can do all sorts of good stuff. And Ben Sira is saying, come and learn from a rabbi and get wisdom. That's not a bad thing. But what Jesus was helping us to understand is that our souls rest in God alone. That's it. It's not because of our activity or our actions or being good enough. God is the one that gives us to that. And Jesus, by saying, come to me, you who need rest, come to me and get rest, he was saying that he is God. He was declaring that he is in the same position of God because as we look back to what Jeremiah said, our souls rest in God alone. That's what King David said as well. So Jesus was trying to let everyone know that our souls rest in God alone and that Jesus is God. And what a profound thing for him to say. And when Jesus talked, it sounded very similar to the words that Jeremiah said because both of them talked about following God's ways. Jeremiah said, follow the old godly ways. And Jesus said to learn from me, learn from my teachings and obey from me. Again, it's not our actions, but what it's doing is it's us partnering with who we were created to be. When we follow God's ways, he gives us the rest because we're living into the promise of who he is. Even when those obligations seem hard or difficult or things that we don't necessarily want to do. I got to experience this recently. A few weeks ago, I was praying. It was one of those times where I had been asking God for a while, like, I, I please give me more time to rest. I have a busy schedule. Help me out. And, and I found myself up every morning extra early with Kai, our, our youngest child. And I would just be watching movies. And eventually God convicted me. He's like, hey, you're asking for time. You have time where no one's bothering you except a crying baby. And use that time to speak with me. So, oh man, okay. So I turned stuff off and I was like, all right, let's rest. And, and the baby would fall asleep. And all right, God, let's rest. Let's be together. And during that time, convicted by God. He brought up some things that I did 20 years ago in my family that weren't right. I specifically brought up how I treated my mom 20 years ago, which wasn't kind or fair. And I thought of those times and I felt God was saying, you need to go and ask forgiveness. And I thought, I don't don't want to do that. Like, that's awkward. And why would I want to dredge up the past? I mean, it's 20 years later. It's, it's okay. Can we just like leave it? And I, and I felt God was telling me in that moment, no, go and make amends. Ask for that forgiveness. And it lines up with God's word. Jesus' brother James said this in James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So if we're to follow God's ways, his godly ways, if we're to learn from Jesus and to obey to get this rest, this is what I was being challenged to do. Now, at first I didn't. Honestly, I thought about it. I talked to a couple of people, my accountability partner, my wife about it. And eventually though, I obeyed. I went and had the conversation and it was awesome. And it was uncomfortable at first for me to bring something up. But then whenever my mom gave me the kindness of the forgiveness that she offered, I immediately felt this burden and this guilt that I didn't know I was holding just lift from my shoulders. It was removed and I felt refreshed. I felt at ease and I felt at rest with God. Why? Not because I did anything amazing, but because I simply obeyed God. And that's what Jesus has asked us to do. And when we obey God, what are we doing? We're putting on the yoke that Jesus told us is easy and that his burden is light. When Jesus told us that he was going to give us rest, he told us to put on his yoke. And what is a yoke? A yoke is a wooden cross piece that binded two animals together as they plowed. So a yoke is a a tool of work. And so Jesus, when he's saying, I'm giving you rest, he's not saying I'm freeing you from all obligation, mind you, but he's saying, when you do the work, it's going to be with me. That's why it's easy, because we get yoked with the creator of the world. We get yoked with Jesus, who can do more than we can think or imagine. I was talking to Pastor Barry this week about this message, and Pastor Barry is our pastoral expert on farming since he lives on a farm, works on a farm, or he grew up on a farm, I guess he works here now. And, and Barry was talking to me about animals when they're yoked together. He said, generally, one animal is way stronger than the other one. You yoke two animals together, one is the lead animal, and they're doing most of the work, and the other one is there because you need two animals to, to plow. And I thought, wow, that makes a lot of sense. When we're yoked to Jesus, he's the one doing the work. He's the one doing way more than than we can ever imagine. He's carrying our burdens with him, and we no longer have to do that alone. And by ourselves, without Jesus, we can do nothing. And I know that sounds like hyperbole, but we can truly do nothing without Jesus. Nothing that lasts, nothing that endures, nothing that's meaningful, nothing that won't turn to dust in a hundred years. But with Jesus, all things are possible. In fact, Paul said this to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 4.13, he said, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Everything is possible with Jesus. And so we yoke ourselves to Jesus. Why? Because he is God and he's amazing. And so he will take the burdens on him and we'll be at a work together. Now you might be saying, well, okay, well, his yoke is easy, surely. Isn't it easier to have no yoke at all? Can't we just like remove the yoke from the equation and just live freely? But that's just not possible. As people, we are always going to serve a master. We were created to worship. We were created to serve. And so if it's not Jesus that we're yoking ourselves to, it's going to be our ambition or our job or our money or our family. And again, those things not inherently evil by nature, but they can become evil once we put them above God. So we're going to serve something. So why not serve Jesus, who has a yoke that is much easier than the world's yoke? R.T. France said this in his writing. He said, Jesus' yoke is easy. The Greek word Christos normally means good and kind, not because it makes lighter demands, but because it represents entering into a discipleship relationship with one who is gentle and lowly in heart. The world is going to offer opportunities for rest. 
They're saying, oh, no, this is going to make you feel good. And you can just not worry about what's going on. But again, we've talked about it. Those things don't last. Those things won't fulfill us like we want them to. And in fact, we'll end up serving a much less merciful and kind and gracious master than Jesus. So let's put on the yoke of Jesus. It is easy. His burden is light. He loves us. He's kind. And when we do that, we get to, again, live into the purpose that he has for us. No longer are we fighting against the current, but we're living into who you and I were created to be. And that's children of God who walk with him on this earth. So let's do that. Let's get that rest because rest is good for us. If we want to be the best spouses and parents and children and workers and children of God that we can be, whatever else you want to add into there, the best way to do that is to be refreshed. When we're refreshed, we work better in every situation. So let us rest and then let us work. And there is work. Again, the yoke is a tool of work. There's gonna be some work. So let's rest and get replenished and then work. And this is actually how God governed the days. This is how he created the days to be governed. In the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter one, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Evening and then morning. This is how the Orthodox Jews still govern their days starts in the night and then begins, or it continues after that. Oftentimes we think of our days as work and then the rest, but that's opposite of how God designed the days to operate. God ordered days to start with rest and followed by work. So let's rest and then let's work. And again, there is work, but let's be refreshed to be put at ease, to be refueled, refilled by God and then work. And what is this work that we're talking about? What work could God have us do alongside him being yoked to Jesus? Well, it's the work that he is about. And that work is drawing people into him, to helping people know that Jesus came to make a way to become children of God. And so when we yoke ourselves with Jesus and when we follow him and we're about that work, we're about drawing people to him. Everywhere we live, work, learn, and play, we can be about this work. Recently, I was talking to my friend Nate, and Nate and I are friends from back in high school. Now we have a scheduled phone call every month. And as we were talking, we were reflecting on the fact that at the end of high school, we both felt a call into ministry at one point. Felt like we're both going to go into full-time ministry. But as we got into Geneva College, I continued on the path with my major in student ministry and And he continued, or he diverted and went to a major in business. And we were kind of reflecting on that. And he said, I wonder if I made the right decision or if if I should have gone into ministry instead of doing what I'm doing. And I told him, well, God is using you where you are. I said, you have employees, you have supervisors, and every month I get to hear about how you're talking to them about Jesus that you're bringing Jesus with you, that I guess Jesus is already there, but you're entering into this work with Jesus as you go to your job. And then you tell me about how whenever you're going to your daughter's events, you're talking to the parents of the other kids and you bring up Jesus. And how when you go and play pickup basketball, there's a friend there that doesn't know Jesus that you've been praying for and talking to. And we've been praying together for him to come to know Jesus. I said, you are ministering 
Some of us, sure, are called to full-time ministry, but all of us are called to minister with our lives in every sphere of influence that we have. In fact, Paul said this to the church in Corinth. He said, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Ooh, sorry, got excited there. Popped the mic a little bit, my bad. Uh, so, okay, cool it. Um, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back, mm, come back to God. I just get a little excited. There's an exclamation point in there. I'm going to read it uh, as so. Um, so Jesus has called us to be his ambassadors everywhere we live, work, learn, and play. You and I get to go into our families. We get to go to our friend circles. We get to go into our workplaces, not by ourselves, but as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And so in order to do that, though, we must not be empty as we enter into those places. We must go into them being refreshed and filled by Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't call us to go and fill other people up. We're called to just empty out what he's put in us, which that means that we constantly need to be filled up by him. And so as I go to my family who doesn't know Jesus, or I go to play board games with my friends who don't know Jesus, I make sure beforehand to pray, to rest with God, on my way, literally, just I'm praying, God, you fill me up so that I can pour out what you've put in me. And then afterwards, we got to get replenished again. It's a constant effort of saying, or not effort, it's a constant thought process of saying, God, fill me up. I need the rest that comes from you. And since rest is so important, let's make it very practical here before we end. How do we enter into this path to rest? Well, the first thing we can do is we can schedule it. If we don't schedule it, it's just not going to happen. If we don't put it on our schedule or on our calendar or remind us ourselves on the phone, we aren't going to rest. Other things are going to take its place. Practically, if I don't put like for this hour, I'm going to rest with God, someone's going to call and I'm going to give that hour away. I'm going to go and meet someone. So instead, I write it down in the schedule so that when someone calls and says, can you meet right then? I go, oh, actually, I got something going on. Sorry, can't do that. I also, what, just a practical thing is I put reminders in my phone throughout the day. And so at certain hours, I think right now it's like 11 and 2, I get a reminder to pray. And there'll be names that pop up. Pray for these names. And then another time, pray for these names. And it's a reminder wherever I'm at to rest in that moment with God and to speak to him just in the middle of my day. So practically, let's just schedule it so that we do it. What else can we do? We practice it. If we don't practice it, then scheduling doesn't really matter. So we practice it. What does it look like? Well, it might look like something different from all of us. That might mean on your way to work, you turn off the music or the podcast or the book and you sit with God for that time. Maybe it's at night, instead of going and scrolling in your phone, you say, all right, God, I'm going to rest with you before I fall asleep. Might mean that every morning you wake up and, and you read from God's word. Maybe it means once a month, you block off a time to go and walk in nature with God and say, I'm in your creation, God, just speak to me. If we want to hear God, we must listen to him. We must hear his voice. And the way that we do that is by making ourselves quiet with God and doing that over and over so we get more comfortable understanding when it's him that is speaking. And when we hear his voice, there will be times where he calls us into to do something that he has, he has desired for us to do that aligns with his word. And when we do that and when we're obedient, that's when we're putting on the yoke and that's where we get to really experience rest as we walk in line with who he's created us to be. So let's practice it. So we schedule it. We practice it. What else do we do? We can celebrate it. 
Let's tell others about it. Let's literally celebrate it. Let's say, hey, I went and rested with God. I've been doing it every day and it's been awesome. And not in a way of like puffing ourselves up by pointing to Jesus and saying, he really grants us this rest. And when other people tell us about it, let's celebrate it as well. We too often celebrate people who don't rest. Let's celebrate people who invest that time with God resting. What else do we do? We protect it. A schedule helps, but a watchman helps as well. So we schedule, we practice, we celebrate, we protect We make sure that it's on that schedule. We make sure we give someone permission in our lives to say, hey, have you been resting with God and holding us accountable? And when we do that, we're gonna keep being filled up. When the world wants to deplete us, Jesus is gonna continue filling us up and he's gonna give us that rest. And yes, it takes effort to schedule that out, but it's good and it's worth it. There was this monk a long time ago, his name is Brother Lawrence, and he wrote this book about practicing the presence of God. And in it, it just sticks with me. He said, when I wash dishes, I praise God. And I thought, like, that's kind of funny. Like, he washed dishes, he praised God. But then I thought, well, what do I do? Well, sometimes I think about uh, the troubles I'm going through. Sometimes I'm listening to a book. Sometimes it's a podcast. But in those times, it's only a few minutes, but you could be, let's praise God during this time. Let's invest that time to rest with him, even while we're doing other things, to praise God in our everyday lives. And when we rest in God, we're going to be refilled. We're going to be refreshed. We're going to be filled up by the God of the universe and be put at ease. So let's do that with today's next step, which says, I will seek rest from God this week before I join him in his work. And there is work, helping people to know how to come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've never experienced this rest, you've never come into relationship with Jesus, the one who loves you so much that he died on the cross and rose again for you, Well, here at New Life, we say the path to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior is as simple as A, B, and C. We start by admitting who we are and who he is, that we're sinners and that he is perfect and he loves you. We believe in him as our Lord, our master, our rescuer from sin and death, who is our Savior. And we confess our sins and also him as our Lord and Savior. And we commit to following him, not by ourselves, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we are yoked with Jesus when that happens. We don't have to do it by ourselves. We don't have to serve another master. We get to serve the master who created the world and who loves you and me. So much that he died and rose again for you and I to come into relationship with God. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you right now to pray a prayer, simply saying, God, be my Lord and my Savior. I'm gonna lead the prayer. I encourage you to take those words though and to make them your own and speak to the God of the universe who is right here, right now. Would you please pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for who you are. And I pray that right now that you will hear the prayer of anyone in here that doesn't yet know you as Lord and Savior. Here's as we say, dear God, I believe that you are the one true God. I believe your son Jesus came to this earth, died and rose again for me. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Holy Spirit, fill me up and guide me every day. Thank you. I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And dear God, for all of us, no matter what it's going, what's going on in our life, whatever burdens that are on our shoulders, God, I pray that you will draw us into your rest today. And then tomorrow when a new set of obligations come, I pray that you'll draw us into your rest again. And over and over that you will refresh us and fill us up so that we can rest and then work and use us as refreshed people that are rested in you, walking in 
and stride with you. Help us to draw those in our families and friend circles and everyone we encounter to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.